MC Lobshire, the host of the Cash Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cash flow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cash flow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Welcome to the Cash Flow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host inside the dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at the seven to eight-figure business growth model. My guest in this episode is Shane Spears. Shane is a business scaling strategist and accomplished leader with his business track record dominated by leading seven, eight, and nine-figure rapid growth companies. His roles have included being the CEO of a 25 million pound company, providing services to the central United Kingdom government and managing director of a 240 million pound business unit responsible for leading a team of over 1,000 people operating in 135 sites in 23 cities. These days, Shane's thing is a summit scale, the seven to eight figure business growth model that equips successful business owners to transition from an entrepreneurial to manage a growth organization. MC Lobshire, the creator and host of the Cashflow Ninja and president of Producers Wealth. And I'm on a mission to help you achieve economic and financial freedom as quickly as possible. I achieve this by integrating the infinite banking concept with real estate investments to increase your efficiency and returns and recapture cash flow that you're not even aware of that you're losing. I share the number one strategy for investors in my holistic wealth creation course at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to connect with you. Now, uh, before we get into our conversation today, can you share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, as you can probably tell, um, uh, I've got a, I'm based in the UK in uh, Bath, which is a couple of hours west of uh, London, but um, I grew up in, uh, in New Zealand, was born and grew up in New Zealand. Father was a builder and a businessman, and mum worked and lived for her kids, and now she does for her grandkids. But I graduated university with a valuation and property management degree and went to work for one of the uh, uh, top 500 conglomerates in the world as a real estate professional. And by the time I was 28, I was working in another country in a fast-growing property business and was given my first significant leadership role of managing a large team. And I was excited yet apprehensive. I'd trained as a real estate professional, but I wasn't trained for management or leadership. And now I found myself leading a large team of professionals. And I'd experienced some great bosses in the early part of my career, but more often than not, I'd also experienced some really bad ones. 
not because they were bad people, but they were like me. They hadn't been trained as managers of people. And anyway, I didn't want to mess it up. So it felt like a sink or swim moment. And, it, and I, anyhow, there wasn't any management or leadership training on offer. So I set about learning all I could from studying and observing others. And that was really the start of my journey of finding out how to manage and lead people and organisations to get the best from them. Anyway, by the time I was 35, I was soon after joining another fast-growing business, which was really carving out a niche sector in its sector. We were building purpose-built student accommodation here in the UK, and I was leading a large team of people spread across many sites and cities. And although I was really highly competent technically, like a lot of my peers and colleagues, but the rapid growth of the business was really becoming painful, and the business was becoming very exposed. And so I I did a lot of soul-searching and studying and trying to find, figure this out. And what I kind of came up is in a small, fast-growing entrepreneurial business, there are a few key factors that have significant impact on the performance and growth of the business, if you like, the mostly the ability to sell and financial factors like access to capital and cash flow. But as a business moves from entrepreneurial to managed growth or from startup to scale-up, if you like, the, the management, leadership and logistical challenges become quite different and entrepreneurial ways of working can actually start to hinder a business rather than advance it. So for a lot of entrepreneurs, the next step's not for them. They enjoy startups and build-ups and making stuff happen, but the complexity of building an organization or managing an organization, getting stuff through lots of people is not for them. So anyway, I I kind of pushed on through and I, I really um, – developed this passion for uh, leading and, and managing people in, in large complex organizations and and uh, and that's what I've been doing to to, to date and uh, uh, and and until recently I've been doing that by leading in businesses I've been uh, CEO uh, of a, uh, a, 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 a well, a 25 million company delivering property services to the central government over here. I've been uh, uh, the managing director of a 240 million business unit, uh, leading a large number of people. But I've got to the point now where I want to, to help others and give 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 uh, others a lot uh, and help coach others, giving them the benefit of a lot of the lessons that I've learned. Lot of, uh, lots of learning on the journey, my friend, and um, yeah. there's a lot of fantastic stuff that you share, and it's so true that it's, it's a completely different skill set of just starting a business and yeah. to having a takeoff and growing it and then scaling a business. What are some of the main problems business owners must overcome in scaling from uh, an entrepreneurial to a managed growth process? Well, I just I describe that growing a bu- the growing a business is a three-dimensional problem. So the, the first dimension is I, I call complexity. So as a business grows, it becomes more and more complex to run. The, and the complexity is due to more employees, more customers, more products and so forth. And, and that complexity just creates barriers to grow. So particularly barriers around leadership. So the, the ability to hire or grow enough leaders throughout your organization who have the ability to solve problems and lead people and and create the conditions for for, for performance. And also a barrier around systems, the lack of systems and structures to create consistency and get consistency in execution. And then thirdly around the barrier around marketing, the the lack of function to 
attract new relationships, customers and talent, but also deal with the increased competitiveness that comes from growth. You're more on the radar of your competitors and as your customers do uh, more business with you, you're, you're, there's pressure from them as well. So that's the kind of first dimension. The second dimension I, I call the, the natural cycles of growth. And this is uh, what, because businesses don't grow in straight lines. They, they follow fairly predictable peaks and troughs Troughs often to do with the numbers of employees that, that, that you know, as I talk, that more than more so than revenue because that's what can controls the uh, complexity. So, but the trick is to to be able to leap from one peak to another without kind of get falling into the abyss in between or or get becoming uh, stagnant as an organisation. And then that third dimension is really the. I suppose you can call counterintuitive market dynamics that are going on. So, and what that really boils down to is that the right approach at a certain stage of a business's growth is very likely to be not going to be the the right approach at another stage of growth. So, for example, between you know startup to one million, it's really natural for leaders to focus on external sales and revenue. You're trying to prove your product in the market. There's a fit, you know, that there is a market for your product. So you're very focused on that sales and revenue. But between one and ten million, the the leaders uh, leaders have to become more focused on internal scaling and and uh, and things like cash because that's when that's when you're going to make real mistakes that. That that uh, that that cost you cash. What are some of the uh, symptoms that you can identify when it, when scaling is not as effective as it needs to be? And what are some of the red flags to look for when you're in this this period of that you're starting to scale your business? Well, I, I often um, uh, talk about sort of symptoms that are some are personal to the the owners or the leaders of the business, some are uh, organisational, but one is a, a, a real clear one. I see a, a, a feeling stuck frustration that um, owners are uh, working as hard as they ever ha- have. They're, they feel like they're running fast on a treadmill and go, getting nowhere. So, Because what worked in the past is now not longer working and they can't figure it out. So they become really frustrated with themselves and with their business. The second is... Um, symptom often see is what I call working in the weeds overwhelm. And this is when um, owners try to build their business around themselves and around their own personal production, because that's what's worked to, to get their business to, to where they are today. And But once a business becomes more complex, they start to become really overwhelmed by minutiae and firefighting and doing the heavy lifting on the critical, critical issues. And and, and actually, the opposite needs to happen. As you scale and your business grows, you've got to get your business to do more and, and get yourself to do less. So that's the second one. The third one is um, a, a decision paralysis. Often see that uh, so often leaders and businesses become stuck because they're unable to make a decision to grow because they're, they're stuck in this place of, well, if we, we go, if we, we go backwards, we lose the business. If we go forward, we risk everything. And and if the trouble is, if you're you're not moving forward, if you're not growing, you really are going backwards. Staying still is really not sustainable. Especially in the environment today, uh, what are some of the uh, what are some of the the mistakes that entrepreneurs and business owners make when they're trying to fix all these these growth problems, Shane? Well, I think the, the one that I often see is that this kind of spending more time working in the business. It goes to this 
the symptom I talked about, which which is actually you've got to do the exact opposite and uh, you've got to find a way to do less and get your business to do more, not only for your own sake, but for your business sake, that your business becomes less vulnerable, your customers are less vulnerable, your employees are less vulnerable, you're less vulnerable if you're getting your business to do more. So that's the first one, trying to get your business to do more. The second um, is the... uh, investing heavily in tail, uh, in tactics, particularly in sales tactics. And you'd think that's perfectly sensible to do, thing to do. You want to grow your business, just bring more salespeople. And, and, and often it doesn't work like that because if you're not investing in other parts of the business at the same time, so, for example, your order fulfillment, the staff development, your systems, your back-end delivery, then you you end up starting to start to see signs of customer dissatisfaction and staff disengagement, and you end up doing more replacing than growing. So, and the third uh, one would be around chasing a long list of growth growth initiatives. And often, when leaders develop a new strategy, they start looking at places, you know, looking for places to grow, and they're there are, there are all sorts of ways you can grow a business and I end up developing this long list of initiatives. But the problem is most growing organizations already have too many priorities to achieve the level of focus that they need to achieve. So, so scaling a, a business is about taking one significant step at a time and then checking the data and, and adjusting accordingly. A lot of great points. One of the thing, one of the things that I've seen over the years to have successful guys and gals that start businesses and they start growing it, and they, obviously there's a lot of pains and, and challenges, as you, as you said. But their mindset is sort of that they they try to fire them, themselves from what they're doing, basically, you know, every month or every quarter or every six months or every year. And um, sometimes, it, in, in speaking to these individuals, that's that's the great position that I'm in is I get to interview a lot of amazing people, is yeah. that sometimes the biggest challenge, as you, as you, as you uh, uh, summarize it, Shane, is that the business owner is in the way. You're in the way. And once you, yeah. s- you get out of the way, now there's really the, 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 uh, an opportunity for the business to take off. Yeah. Well, and that's what, one of the things that I often just talk to, to owners about, that the the bottleneck of a bottle is always at the top of the bottle. And so one of the things I get them to do is look in the mirror and say, well, what, are, what, ro- what role are you playing in, um, in this business being stuck? Um, and, and often it's the leaders, the owners of the business have to start working in a different way to, to, to help the business become unstuck. You're listening to Shane Spears on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number of solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. You're listening to Shane Spears on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and I'm back to our interview. 
Absolutely. What sort of uh, help and expertise can business owners bring in and what, what, what sort of assistance do they require to scale from a seven to eight figure business and beyond? Yeah, so I, I often find um, many owners, entrepreneurs are, are, are really focused externally on growth and they're looking at sales initiatives and marketing initiatives because it comes back to this kind of mistake, you know, that I talked earlier that, well, you want to grow your business, so it's all about sales and growth and uh, in that sense. But often I feel the find that the real challenges with scaling a business are more internal challenges like things like being able to create clear strategy and direction to get everyone rallied behind, be able to create and sustain the right sort of culture that, that's going to attract the, the best people, learning how to delegate and hand over responsibilities to, to others, finding the right people for your business and 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 attracting them and keeping them and then and things like then embedding the the structures and the systems you need to to drive um, consistent execution and results and and other things like planning and uh, and planning ahead and then be able to respond to changing market conditions so and often these things are often connected together and and until you kind of address these things. It's, it's, it's like I said earlier, you're going to do a lot of replacing, um, replacing of customers, and replacing of staff um, until you get these things sort of right. Now, uh, we, we touched on skill sets a little bit, and it's a completely different skill set of just getting to uh, a seven-figure business and then from a seven to eight and then beyond. What are some of the skill sets and qualities that business owners and entrepreneurs must develop to scale from entrepreneurial to manage growth and take their business from a six to a seven and a seven to an eight? I think there's, there's a couple that, that, that I don't think people would think are obvious, but um, I think they're probably some of the most difficult. And it's really about being able to embed accountability and discipline into an organization, accountability for people to be clear about what, what their roles are and, 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 and uh, not get in the way of each other and be clear about what the goals of the organization are. But often uh, one of the first ones is it's around skills and um, the qualities developed for owners is about embedding the communication processes to align everyone onto the same page. Getting everyone onto the, the same page is really key to getting the organization consist to consistently drive execution and results. And one real example of this is around meetings and the having a meeting or having a, a framework of meetings of well-run weekly, quarterly and meetings that the meetings are the places where problems get solved, where performance gets analyzed with your sign of accountability for for getting stuff done and i often hear a lot that about that meetings are a waste of time and not productive but i'm here to dispel that myth that meetings are bad i i think well-run meetings are the heartbeat of an organization they are where you speed up and get a lot more uh, a lot more productivity out of an organization so that's the first one being able to run set up a the discipline of a well-run framework of meetings in an organization that actually connect to each other and uh, are really the heartbeat of the organization. The second, but what kind of skill and quality, and this comes with the owners and the leaders of the business, but also getting it really uh, drilled down into the organization. And that's the ability to 
problem solve and and all, you know issues or obstacles are are normal in business and and but the problem is it's human nature to avoid problems or issues and and it, it, you know there there there's lots of complex problem solving issues out there but they're not just practical for everyday business issues so what what uh, you know, I help with uh, the, my clients that work with this, we're embedding a really simple and practical uh, framework for issue solving that, uh, that that becomes then the focus of uh, meetings and um, the, the discussions that are going on, but uh, that uh, getting to the root of the problems in the organization or the obstacles in the way of achieving your goals and, and getting those issues solved and getting progress progress made. So a couple of things that I've learned on my journey too is the importance of, of just culture. And one of the things that we had a conversation, by the way, for the listeners, you know, we're both rugby fans, obviously being from New Zealand and South Africa and a friendly yeah. rivalry. And I was congratulating Shane on uh, the weekend's win uh, for, the, for the All Blacks. But one of the things that I've learned in sports and being involved and still coaching with rugby um, is um, – is the culture, obviously. And it's been a great yes. learning lesson. You know, when I started my business and wanted to learn and grow more effectively, it was a great area of being involved as a coach for development in building yeah. and managing teams, communication, problem solving, as you just mentioned. Um, yeah. And then the culture. Uh, why is a growth culture so important in establishing a specific growth, growth culture? And how can uh, leaders and entrepreneurs cultivate uh, this culture in their own businesses? Yeah. So for, for culture is the way we do things around here. And it's really established by the leaders of a business and then lived by everyone else in the organization. So a growth culture is an environment where people can perform and grow. And therefore, if your people are growing, your organization is growing. And so this is a silly but true story. A boss I worked for one day was announcing a business restructure and redundancy program. And it was an open plan office surrounded by individual offices for managers around the sides. And at the end of his announcement, he said, so if anyone wants to talk to me, my door is always open. And he literally turned around, walked back into his office and promptly, promptly shut the door behind him. And it, he just demonstrated that nothing he said could be leave. So at the heart of our um, culture is your actions have to match your words. And that moment said more about the culture in that organization than any plaque on the wall. And, and that's what culture comes down to. It's the level of trust in an organization of what, what you say you're going to do and what you'll actually do. And if, if you have mistrust, then emotions get in the way. People become clouded by their emotions and, and can't do their best thinking. People do their best thinking when they're, they're not emotional. And uh, if nothing creates more emotion than people in an organisation, if, if the bosses are saying one thing and, and doing another. So, so some really key things for me and building great cultures in an organization. So it really, as I said, it's really comes down as established by the leaders of the business. So the first thing you've got to do is, is build a really cohesive leadership team. It's, it's kind of like a family. If the parents' relationship or is dysfunctional, the family will, will be too. And that's not to say good things can't come out of it. It's just the family won't come anywhere close to realizing its full potential. And it's the same in an organization. If the team top team is not behaviorally unified, then there's no chance that, that that it will perform to the potential. And 
any business or any organization will only perform to the level of that top team. So that's the, the really first part of it. The, the second part is creating this, this organizational clarity or building an organizational compass, as I call it, being, providing everyone in your organization at all levels with the, the, clarity, the clarity they need to make decisions and resolve problems without constant supervision and advice from managers. So that's when it comes down to um, things like purpose and vision and values. You're, you're kind of guiding principles. And a, a lot of people kind of don't kind of, don't, a lot of organizations don't provide clarity around those things. And I, I think that often hinders their, their growth. And often they see those things as, oh, that's something corporate or uh, they're, they're fluffy, ethereal stuff. But I, I think they're really important guiding principles for any organization and they're the first layer of building any any strategic plan. So that's the that that creating that clarity is really important. And then the, the third thing has been around embedding your values into your 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 people processes. So being really clear about what your core values are as your people uh, as an organization and then um, hiring people against them because what you're doing is hiring people then that are going to be a culture fit. And you only want people that are going to fit into your culture. Otherwise, it just causes abrasion and, and uh, it causes damage to your organization. So your, your values have got to be built into how you hire people, how you manage performance, how you reward, how you reckon, how you fire people. Those are going to be really critical and done in, in, in alignment with your values. And then finally, I, I think that the, 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 the final one is around developing your people and I, you know, I'm a big, big believer in growing your people through coaching, getting, developing your leaders and managers and all throughout your organization to have conversations that review KPIs and priorities and the critical numbers from the strategic plan, and as well as being able to recognize good performance, analyze underperformance, and, and be able to uh, discuss with people activities to, to get back on track. So those are the really important things for me to that that really will will drive a, a great growth culture and the very very key things that they are shown now one habit i've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets what are you currently studying right now and what skill sets are you currently learning well as a um it's one of my uh principles really that um we'll come on to but being a, a lifelong learner but my um, uh, main area of study right now, having started, gone out as an entrepreneur from leading large organizations and now going out and teaching people how to do it and uh, working with entrepreneurs is I'm starting again. I've got to learn how to market myself as an entrepreneur and market my business. Um, and so that, that, that's what I'm studying right now. That's what I'm learning to do. And, uh, and it, it's so important uh, uh, for me to be learning, but it's also important for my business to uh, be successful that I learned to do that. Absolutely. Now, a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, uh, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Well, I, th I think the three things that I've, I've kind of drawn out in my story and my 
things this uh, the, the lesson today. The, the, the first is, is it's follow your call and your purpose. And that, you know, mine became this, uh, I started out as a, as a property professional and found that when my calling was really in leading and coaching others and, and, and working with people and getting the best out of them. So I would always say that that's where, where successes happen for me and, uh, and money and all of those sorts of things. So I, I think follow your, follow you, find your following and, and your calling and your purpose and follow that. The second is then be a lifelong learner. I, I believe you have to approach business and life with intense curiosity for, for me that cultivates a, a real spirit of open mindedness and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and I just think it's uh, essential to, to have an open mind, to be open to new opportunities and new, new, new things on the horizon. And then the third thing that I would say is, which I, as I've learned along the way, is surround yourself with the very best talent, coaches, mentors, advisors that you can afford. I learned early on as a, a leader to build a team around me of people who were way smarter than me, particularly in stuff that I'm not good at or don't like doing. And and having been a leader in a, a top 200 business in the UK, I was fortunate to meet and work some, with very talented people and world-class advisors. And that taught me that to solve problems quickly, to shortcut um, growth stalling mistakes and just avoid a whole lot of pain, find and, and work with smart and experienced people. Fantastic. Uh, Shane, where can my listeners learn more about you? Where can they follow you? Uh, and where can they stay informed of all the projects that you're involved with? So uh, there's a, a couple of resources for, for people. So uh, www.summitleader.com is uh, my uh, website where there's loads of free resources there. But in particular, there's a couple of resources, uh, www.summitscaleguide, which is a free resource to listeners, which is a, uh, a an ebook on uh, a lot of the stuff that I've talked to, the, to today. And also www.summitscalechallenge.com, which is a, as a way, it's a five-day challenge for anyone who wants to experience scaling their their business and start to, to get some learning and experience what it's like. Fantastic. Thank you so much for making those available. And thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. Thank you, MC. I appreciate it. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. 
I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.